Welcome to the inner world of filmmaking. I'm your host, Tammy McGarrow. I'm an editor, podcaster, and still photographer. In this show, I will interview filmmakers in all facets of production and distribution. I'm excited to have content creator Hampton Liu, who is behind Hybrid Calisthenics, where he helps people cultivate long-term fitness where your body is your weights. Welcome, Hampton. Happy to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So, yeah. Um, so I found you on TikTok. That's how I got introduced to you. Cool. Um, and I was just curious, um, how did you decide to create Hybrid Calisthenics and what drew you to that form of exercising? Well, I was always really into fitness from when I was younger. And just like I grew up with a lot of people uh, into martial arts, which kind of leans towards body weight training. So push-ups, pull-ups, squats, things like that. If you've ever been part of like a football team or a wrestling team, especially wrestling, any type of martial arts, there's going to be a lot of push-ups and pull-ups involved. So I was into that. As I became an adult, I started researching more and I discovered the idea of progression, of the idea of like, oh, you don't have to just do a push-up and then just keep trying if you can't do it. There's different ways you can go about it. You can do an easier version. You can do a harder version. And that really like was um, a very important piece to it. Um, as for teaching it, I just there was a time period. Uh, I could really go into the story, but it, just to shorten it a bit, I where I wanted to spread a message. And at the time, I thought it'd be a blog. I really wasn't that social media literate at the time, <laughs> so I thought blogs were still a thing in like 2020. But I, I started it, and I heard about videos. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll, instead of typing, I'll just record myself, and that saves some time because I can probably just like turn on the camera and record and just get a message out and then post it a little faster than I could just type something out and I can type pretty quickly but it, I like well I, I tend to overthink when it's something that's like a blog article or which might be good or bad but something uh, it might it usually took me like a day or two to really get it the way I want um, and that's where I started and at the time TikTok was an important platform it still is still is but at the time it was really emerging 2019 2020 at the time uh, a lot of important changes happened, and it's really changed the social media landscape and just the marketing landscape, actually, even broader than that, a short-form vertical video. So that's where I wanted to be. Originally, I was not on TikTok. I think I started on Facebook, of all places. Um, <laughs> so Facebook, YouTube, but then someone told me about TikTok, and I was like, oh, that's cool. What's TikTok? So I, I downloaded it, and I didn't completely understand the concept at the time, but I started posting videos on there. And just like everything else, you learn and you adapt. Yeah, I well, I love your videos, and I love how you go, hi, friends, and then you <laughs> always end with, have a beautiful day. I mean, that's what caught me. Oh, really? It's just your charm. Yeah, your humbleness and just wanting to teach. You know, I felt like this zen-like essence about you. Oh, thank you. That drew me to your videos. Um, so uh, let me ask you this. How often do you post your videos now? Uh, like once a week now. Uh, it used to Once be, a week? used to be very high quantity. Um, I, I think that's a good way to start off. It used I try to do three a day back in the day, um, but the production value has gotten higher. I spend more time thinking about it, and also just the social media, the the way, um, honestly, the social media algorithm has significantly changed. Uh, we can delve into that if you like, but I, I do spend longer on content now. So, uh, what what do you shoot on? Do you just shoot on your phone, or do you have a camera? What's your equipment? So, I, I used to shoot on a um, the front camera of my phone, which was a Galaxy S8 at the time. Uh, really, all you need for a lot of social media stuff. I mean, th there might be yeah. some examples like like tech or something where production value will mean 
more, but really just to get started, most people can start with their phone. Nowadays, I shoot on the same thing that you're seeing me on right now because I just use my my camera as the, the webcam. It's a Sony a7 III, and that's served me well for a couple of years now. And then um, do you just record the audio from your phone or do you record it uh, separately or on your camera? Okay, so I use um, a Rode Filmmaker, I believe, wireless mic. And that was okay. one of the things that I was suggested early on. And I was like, you know, I, audio is really going to make a difference. And I think it does. Even back when I used my phone, before I got anything else, one of the first things I got was a $10 laugh mic off Amazon. I plugged it in. You could see the cable because it wasn't wireless. And <laughs> right. It, but I never really tried to hide that. It was it just, It is what it is. I think the, the less we try to posture, um, the more secure and overall happier we are. So, I mean, th there's like nuance to that. But when it came to filming, I was like, yeah, this is what I have. I have my phone because I can't afford anything else at the time. Um, and I have a, a mic that I plug in. So how has it evolved over time? I mean, from when you started and to now when you were doing your videos, I mean, did you like think about it and then film it or did you kind of plan them out and then knock out three or four videos? Like what was your process? At the time, I just turned on the camera and I started speaking. Um, now, I did tend to have an idea of what I wanted. I think that's really important. Just like the the pre-production process can be very complicated or very simple. And part of it sometimes is folding laundry and doing work around the house while you think of things. I think that's when creativity can really blossom uh, when you're doing these mindless tasks. I think that's like the important part of the yin, the yin and yang of the universe where if you're not always active, when you're passive, that's when good ideas can come to you. At the time I was taking care of my mother, it did tend to coincide with lockdown. But I think unlike a lot of people, it wasn't directly because of that. I think it, it just happened to be 2020, and it could have been 2017, 2021, 2022, 2023. Um, it, I didn't start because I was stuck inside or anything. I, I At the time, I was taking care of my mother. I was like, well, I need uh, another stream of income at the time. Um, obviously, you, there's relatively difficult to jump right in and start making money, but I wanted to start spreading my thoughts at the time, and it did become a business, and I'm very fortunate for that. It was, I'm very happy to be doing this. Now, was there any type of video that happened? Like, when did you start getting your surge of followers? So this is interesting because I think followers mean less now than they ever have before. Uh, um, I think followers mean less now than they ever have before in terms of your reach, your views, everything. Um, possibly borrowing a few examples. I don't, I don't know, like early social media landscape. I was, you know, I, like when this first started evolving, I was 10 or 11. But... So my third, actually my fifth video was my first video ever to get over a million views. That was on TikTok. And this is this is one of the, um, I think I like two or three million, but that was, that's an example of how followers mean less now than ever before. Because at the time I had like 20 followers or something. And my first video on TikTok got zero views. So I, I couldn't even really adapt. I couldn't be like, oh, well, you know, maybe I can change the no because it got zero views. There's there's, there's no data they can get from that. Uh, I was like, well, I don't, I don't know how this TikTok thing is working, but I, I dove right in and I, I wanted to stick to it. And it was a kind of a joke video where I, I it was like it was called a thousand push-ups where I didn't do a thousand push-ups. It, it, it was a <laughs> it was kind of a, a silly throwaway joke. It was nine seconds, um, but because of uh, the retention at the time, I guess people watched it a couple times. It started doing well. Now that got a lot of views, but it really didn't get a lot of followers. I got a couple thousand from that, just from sheer volume alone. I, I got like two or 3,000 
but it, it did kind of inspire me to the potential of social media. And as I continued, I think it was like a month or two later on, I had a video do well. It was about push-ups. I'm like, okay, cool. And I'll start developing a little bit more because at the time I got followers, but I, it didn't mean I was getting three or 4,000 views a video anymore. Once again, hitting the idea that it is no longer strictly um, a socially based platform, but an interest based platform. So it wasn't until I started doing a video about posture, I believe. There were a couple of outliers beforehand, but a video about posture. That's really when I got the same amount of views. It was like two or three million. It went semi viral. And, but I got a lot of followers from that because it, it had a stronger message behind it. It was a little bit longer, but people identified with me. They liked the message, but they also liked oh, we like how you delivered it too. You were friendly. Now, looking back, the message, you can make an argument with some serious people in fitness that it was a little bit controversial. You could be like, ah, oh, yeah, well, like you're not supposed to be doing this. This won't necessarily fix your posture. You know, there's like this idea of debate. Uh, nowadays, I would do a little, I would tweak it. It's like a few words to make it a little bit more accurate, I think. And, but that's really when I started getting traction because an important thing happens when you get those followers and views it is not necessarily the ego boost, not necessarily confidence. In fact, I, I think you should try to isolate that. Confidence is good, but you don't want to get your social media esteem from likes and followers and vanity metrics. But right. I, what an important thing that happened was the comment section. And people would give you ideas of what they wanted. They would tell you what they liked. And just like people on the internet, they're very happy to tell you what they dislike. Um, and I was, right. like, I was like, cool. So that a lot of the things that people know me for nowadays... Um, or really any personality on the internet, or any personality period, you really aren't aware. You aren't. I don't. I don't think you're really aware of how other people perceive you by the masses until you're exposed to a lot of people. Because the idea of like, oh, you're friendly, you're authentic, or the things you said that they were very kind, where you said, oh, you, there's like, uh, you seem nice, or you know, some people say charismatic or friendly. Friendly was one I got a lot, and the you know, people I've, I have been called friendly before in real life. Before that, you know, I try to keep my real life persona and my online persona fairly similar. There's like a difference in context when you're trying to get everything out in 59 seconds. But I try to keep everything right. fairly similar. But I really wasn't, the, like people don't like fall down on their knees and say, well, oh my gosh, this person is so nice in real life. They're like, oh yeah, you're, you're nice. But I, a lot of people are nice, right? So like the idea of like having a reputation for that and a reputation for that, it, it didn't really strike me until there's like a thousand comments. And it's like, oh, half of them say this. I'm like, oh, interesting. It's all like, oh, we really like him when you speak softly and, ex and really break down the ideas. I'm like, oh, cool. Um, and that's, these are all things that I don't want to be fake, but I want to lean into. If someone's like, hey, we liked him when you give different steps. I'm like, well, I'll do more of that. that we like it when you're friendly about this and give the idea of like, well, you can do whatever you like, but this worked for me. I'm like, I'll do more of that. And then obviously, you know, delving a little bit more into it, there's some things like, well, we don't like when you do that. I, I, like, I don't like it that you're ugly. I'm like, well, I can't really help that. You know, so that's right. Uh, so I just, well, you no, know, that's what I say. I, I don't, I, it's, it, I don't, that comments about my appearance don't really bother me. Um, but there's it things like, there's obviously some things that are criticism uh, that are constructive. And then there's some just negative feedback for the sake of negative feedback, of course. How do you handle that? I mean, that's the, the bummer part, I think, about putting yourself out there is the negative comments that you're going to get. I think this really speaks to the foundation of any major discipline, uh, if you really want to be good at it. Anything from, like, swordplay to filmmaking to anything. Uh, you, you talk to people who have really reached um, the upper echelons of their craft, not to say that I have, 
but you speak to them and like a lot of them speak to things that aren't directly about technique uh whether it's like they're gymnasts you know they, they always tell you about exercises they often talk about the mindset of it and i think the reason for that is because none of these things exist in a vacuum you know we have to experience and present these things as an art form as humans which is what we are you know like maybe there's some people content creators are intelligent ai bots i don't know but like i'm human right and one of the foundations that we have to lie in order to truly thrive, I say, I think is to be secure within ourselves and to have some inner peace. And that's very, it's unfortunately not super common. I, I guess I shouldn't say unfortunately, because it, 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 just like anything else, you know, being secure within yourself can be a skill. And some people may have a natural inclination towards it, other people may not. So this is something we touched upon earlier, where if you are trying to posture or have been told and this is taught unironically sometimes by people who seem like they have a lot of authority, people who seem like they know what they're saying, and they might about a lot of things, but the idea of fake it till you make it, that's going to break you, in my opinion, because the idea, like, so like, how do I handle it? I, I try to handle it by being able to face it unemotionally and just be like, oh, this makes sense, this doesn't make sense, because a lot of people like to go from one extreme to the other. Either they let every single comment break them when they're like, oh, you know, he, he called me ugly. How dare you? How dare you <laughs> body shame someone? Which I know that this is true, but this is like, you know, it's yeah. like like they there's this re reaction towards this person with an anonymous profile photo. Um, not to say they didn't deserve it, but you can't do that at scale. You can't do that. You know, you can do that when you have a couple hundred people, but when you have like the several, when you're regularly getting this, you're going to implode. Because, and and I, yeah. I say that out of concern for people. Um, but then there's also this tendency where people are like, well, it's not, I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to care. But then that can also lead to some arrogance, I think. Like, like for example, you know, I think one of, the, one of the reasons why it's easy for me to ignore comments about my appearance is because it's very easy to dismiss that this person doesn't really care. You know, it's like they're, it's a throwaway comment. They're doing it just to see if they'll get a reaction, you know, and whatever. But if someone writes a three-paragraph essay on, like, why this video in particular might be a little problematic. I don't, I don't love that word because a lot of things are problematic, but it's like, yeah, you like th this, the way you hinted at this is not completely correct. And it might lead some people to misunderstand. And some, some people are very polite about it. Others are very rude about it, but even when they're rude about it, it's like, Hmm, you know, do you just want to ignore them and call them a troll and delete them and block them? You can, All right. but also you want to learn, right? You want to learn about yourself. And I'm like, Hmm, Maybe they do have a point and it's a slippery slope because sometimes they don't. Sometimes it is just your insecurity speaking. So that's why it's a journey. This is why, you know, while you hone your craft in anything, you also have to hone your inside craft. You have to be aware of yourself. So yes, one of the, like, if someone wants to do a, a takeaway of that, of how you can have more confidence as you approach and put yourself out there is to slowly face your own insecurities and fears by asking if it's true. I have a video about this coming out hopefully this week or next week, um, which is going to make some people up upset, but I, I, it doesn't, because just because it's touching on some topics, asking themselves, and I, I hope it doesn't make them too upset, but it's really, when you know that you're insecure about something, like if I, if I put myself on social media and I'm like, well, you know, you can, you can talk to me about my appearance. I don't care, but don't mention my voice. Like if you, if you mention my voice and you're like, oh, it's grading, I'm going to block you and delete you. You know, these emotional reactions, you have to ask yourself, why am I insecure about this? Why 
do I really dislike it that much? And the thing is, it's like when people say that your voice is terrible, the thing you have to ask yourself, you don't have to tell anyone, is it true? Right? It's like, is it like, just some self-awareness, you know, like beauty is subjective, of course, but if I, it's good to be aware that 90% will find your voice grating. This is just a hypothetical about it. Like, I don't really care about my, right. my voice that much. Yeah. But a more real one would be, I might have a little bit of an insecurity around hurting people accidentally, right? But that's a thing where, like, if you give anyone a microphone, it's like, this will reach a million people, right? Which is small in, in the scope of things. Like, Mr. Beast, all these, like, YouTubers and TikTok is, like, like a million is small. Um, if you just say the raw, like, you have to be very careful what you say, right? And then there's a little bit of an insecurity, like, what if I spend sometimes, like, 20 hours making a 30-second video um, and it ruins someone's day? I'm like, man... It bums me out. And you could argue it's it's on them, um, partially, but is there anything I could have done? And like there's that little bit of insecurity where I spend a lot of time and it hurts someone. I usually not actually just strictly in quotes misinformation, um, because I try to verify and cite and do it like I try to be very confident in the things I say, but the fact that it rubbed them the wrong way in a way that was misinterpreted, right? If it feels like I was trying to force them to do something when it was really just an idea they can try. Something like that. I have I have an insecurity around that, and that's something that I'm slowly reconciling by asking myself, is this true? Do you do you know the things you're saying? Is this thing that you said that they're questioning, are you wrong about that? So yeah, we, we have to face a lot of our fears and insecurities as we go to social media or before, one way or the other. Yeah, but I love the way that you handled it as more of an introspection of yourself. I think that's great. Um, I think everything that happened, I always think like things that happen to us, is something to look at negatively and positively. And when um, I, I love just taking a step back and going, is that true? Is that true for me? And maybe there's and sometimes there are there is an ounce of truth. Yeah, that you have to look at like, God, I, I'm reactive. I might need to look at that and right. maybe tone it back. So. Right. Um, so let me ask you about your comments. Like, do you read all the comments? Because that could take forever. And also, how do you respond? I mean, do you, how do you select who to respond to and who not to? Okay, so this is an interesting topic because early on, I think a lot of content creators can do this. I responded to every DM, every comment, everything, every email, everything. Right. I think early on, I think that's an important thing to do. Then at some point in the journey, as you grow, you have to decide when, and you don't want to be arrogant about it because you don't want to think you're, you're more important than you are. Uh, it really has to be kind of a business decision and time management decision where you can't answer every email, DM, and comment, even though you want to. Nowadays, when I post a video, I usually spend the first 30 minutes to an hour checking the comments. I respond to a lot of them. Um, if it piques my interest, I often try to respond to that. But then I tend to look away and I try to focus on work because how I see is I have limited time and energy and resources. And I have to dedicate them towards something. If I'm just like reading comments now, I'm like, I'm just going to go watch TV. I, I don't care. And it's, it's okay to unwind, but it's like if I am wasting my time in some other ways and I might try to spend more time um, answering messages. But if it's a choice between that and creating more, then I'll spend time creating more because there are some questions where I can answer one person or I can answer a million people just by making a video. It's like, here's the answer to the question. And also, once again, delving into social media and how the algorithm has changed a little bit uh, to the interest graph. As a video does better, when you make a good video in a sense that a lot of people want to watch it and keep watching it, it will reach people that haven't seen you before. When people haven't seen you before, there's 
a little bit less context on you. Like if I'm your friend and I look, it's different when a friend tells you, yeah, that was wrong. And, and like, that was really stupid what you did. Like, my, like I might, I'll, I'll tell my friend that, you know, and, and they'll tell me that that was really stupid. I, I like, I don't usually have good ideas, but that was a really stupid thing you just said. Um, like my, like I want, I, I'm going to say that to my friend probably later tonight. Cause he called me the other day. I was like, man, why would you say that? Um, but you know, I, but the thing is, I, I, we can say this because we have context of each other. We know, and there's like an implication that we actually care about each other. However, when you reach someone and we reach, reach more people with your, with your good video and they don't know you, there's a more of a tendency to misunderstand. So as you reach this, people are going to be like, well, I don't like that you did this. I don't like that you said this. Of course. And it's understandable. And we should be a little bit empathetic towards that because they don't know us, right? Like I recently did a video where I gave my opinion on a supplement that I like, um, which is pretty rare. But I, I the whole point of the video was I tried it out for three months to just, be, just to see the hype. And I was like, it's okay. But ultimately, it does not replace a diet. I feel like I feel like a long-term solution is just to improve your diet. Which people who know me are like, oh, good. That's Hampton's opinion. And I'll use that as a factor into whether or not I want to buy it. However, some people who don't know it will be like, well, he's trying to sell me something. But it's not. In fact, they, they didn't even watch the full video, right? But it, it's right. Like, yeah. but, so, but I at first, I was like, man, it was like, you know, maybe I should be a little more careful. But, you know, after we revisit the idea... Uh, without surge of adrenaline, which is why sometimes we get good ideas when we sleep on it because we re revisit all the things that faced us, like a nasty comment on Twitter, you know, or a friend saying like a snide comment. We revisit that when we're asleep and we don't feel that surge of adrenaline. We're like, okay, well, maybe actually it wasn't that bad. That's why we often get good ideas after we wake up. I like that. Um, and you were talking about the algorithm algorithm changing can you explain that like what what did you like at first we all think it's uh followers it's likes but what do you feel like now it is i'm pretty confident in this just because this is what not only what i've observed but also what these platforms have stated they're doing um so one of the things that people didn't immediately know about tiktok is because like the thing that's what's different like what's what was different about tiktok you asked that to a regular person it's like oh well it's it's short videos, they have music, and they're vertical. It's like, okay, that's cool. But one of the things that really made it splash, that really changed the culture, because when you get major multi-billion dollar corporations like YouTube and Facebook and in the, you know, and they own Instagram, to make and adapt to short-form content, it's not just because it's vertical, they can take up more space. It's because TikTok was focused around, around the interest graph, which means instead of like, Oh, I follow, like, think of Facebook. Like, oh, I follow um, my friend from high school. I follow my coworker or whatever. And that was interesting. And that, that was like the MySpace model where it's like, oh, you follow people. It's a social network, right? And you follow people and you're like, oh, that's cool. You know, Bobby's doing this. Although Jenny got married. That's cool, right? But what they found was that that was not as interesting as, as following your interests because you might like fencing you might like fishing you might like cooking but your friends well first of all your friends might not be into that and second of all your interests will change like you might be interested in that when you were 20 but when you're 25 and you're married and you have a kid now you have different interests than the people you follow when you were 20 and what tiktok was good about was instead of it's not about what you said you liked and what you want to follow it's about what you actually like so if i follow all these people about fitness this is a thing where i'd actually deliver where people, a lot of people will follow me because they think they want to be more fit, you know, and, and they do. They, they want to be more fit. But like, yeah, I'll follow it because they think it's like a good choice for 
for them. It's like, yeah, I'll follow this fitness person and just like by, by osmosis of seeing him more, I'll be more fit. But if you do that, but you actually really like to watch like, like film theory videos, which is great, you know, TikTok would be like, okay, so you say you want to watch more fitness, but you actually, but you skip right past Hamden's videos, right? You actually want to watch film videos, which is totally fine. Like, this is not like, oh, I'm better than, because I mean, yeah, I, like some videos are more entertaining. And that's the thing that's happening. It is more interest-based and not follower-based. I can make a video and if it's ho-hum and, my, and even my followers, my dedicated followers won't watch it, watch time is very important right now. So it's like if you, um, and I don't want to say it's the only metric that matters. There's obviously things like caring about people, delivering a message, but within that confines, you you have to make something people want to watch. And when you make it something people want to watch, it will deliver it to more people. So I'll, I can make a video. I have like 7 million followers across social media right now. If I make a video that's eh, you know, then maybe like a couple hundred thousand people will see it. If I make it really good, then several million people will see it and, and, and it'll bring in new people. So it's not so, instead of saying like, I follow Hybrid Calisthenics, I follow Tammy, I follow Mr. Beast. It's about, I follow coffee. I follow fishing. I follow cooking. Okay. And then it will give the algorithm will give you videos that are the best videos in that category. Best by the metric of watch time. I should mention now in case there's a, there's, because it's, this is, when we have a discussion like this, uh, in person, people can ask me questions like, well, I, I, I disagree with this because it shouldn't just be about metrics. It shouldn't just be about views and watch time. What about a story that takes some time to tell? That all makes sense. But artistry and delivering a message has always been bound by something. Like if you are an author who wrote a book, you're like, okay, well, Hampton, I don't want to watch a stupid video that's like 30 seconds, you know, because to really understand, you have to read this 500 page manual. That's cool. But okay, you are also bound by people knowing how to read and you knowing how to write. Okay, and like, think about musicians. You know, the great musicians, why do, you know, when they're like, I wanna write music to spread a message. Okay, why does it have to rhyme? You know, that's like, to spread a message doesn't have to rhyme. So then you have to pick words that rhyme with each other, right? We've always been bound by some kind of metrics. You know, and like, I don't know if it's unfair uh, so much as like, this is how we deliver the message. This is what people are interested in right now. So yeah, it might be cool if you could like force everyone to watch your five minute video in its entirety and think about it. But if it's boring, people won't want to watch it. You know, and I understand that I, I wish I could do the same thing. I'd be like, yeah, watch this thing. Here's full context of it. Please watch it. It will really help you. Some people will watch it, but unless it's entertaining and interesting, people won't watch it. They'll watch something else instead. And that's just the game we're playing. So, so then um, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's really not a, I mean, it's somewhat about people following you, but it's really about your videos getting out there and being seen by a lot of people, whether they follow you or not. Yes. Because the more people that see it, the more it's going to be in the traction of things. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my the, gosh. That's why I over, the, and it took me a while to really hone this new model I'm doing. Because if you look through my YouTube history, if someone wants to like stalk it. Um, you notice I used to post a lot more often and then I kind of slowed down a little bit, you know, and then I tried to get more often again. I'm like, wait a second, something's wrong. And in the past two or three months, I've posted like seven videos, you know, like, like, which is like unheard of. And like my early, my, when I was first starting out, when I, I, I've gotten more views per month than I have in a while. And right. And then that was with me slowing down after I speed back up a little bit. It's, I think we're going to hit um, some new records, which is exciting even though I've made fewer content. One of the things that has changed is the recency effect. In 2017, these people who were like, who were saying like quantity is all that matters. 
no one really says that, but they're like, Qual quality is subjective, they say. It is, but the the idea of recency, the, the importance of recency has definitely decreased. It's definitely decreased. In 2017, it was very important. YouTube had this thing, had this feature that said new when a, when a video came out. It said, this is new. This came out today. Because at the time, like, vlog culture was really big. It's like, well, I want to see what's happening today. And it still has that effect. I think there's recency is a little bit important right now because when I follow a creator and I watch all of their videos, and later on I'm like, oh, well, I want to see what they have to say today. Not five years ago. I want to hear their opinion today. Uh, so there is a little bit of that. But when you make something good, it will last for years. It will be delivered to a lot of people. Right. Yeah. And you are on a lot of different platforms. Have yes. you narrowed it down or are you still like you're on YouTube, Instagram, uh, chat, uh, Snapchat mm -hmm. or not not so much or uh, TikTok? It, like who where where do you kind of zone in? There's because. No... Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. And go ahead and finish your question. Because what? Yeah, I was just thinking like with YouTube, it's a little bit longer form. TikTok's limited. Instagram's limited. A lot of these are limited to under a minute, a minute, around mm -hmm. a minute. So um, do you do longer videos for YouTube and then cut them up for the other channels? Or what is your thought when you're creating content and how long? And and I also notice your cuts are like, it's not just the video. It's There's cuts in those videos of different right. scenarios. So you've really... I'm curious, like it takes a lot of a lot more time to edit videos when you have more stuff going on in them. For sure. For sure. We can delve into that a little bit. This is a filmmaking podcast, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay. Okay. So, um, in my opinion, there, unless you are bound somehow by time and resources, or you have a very particular content style, which most people probably don't listening to this. Okay. They probably don't have this because I, I, I don't want to, I don't want, to, don't want to misunderstand. Um, you should be on every platform. Okay, the people who tell you to focus on one platform, um, they're, a lot of them are mistaken, in my opinion. Or, or, or they have some kind of context that I, that I don't have right now where it's like, well, what about this? Maybe with that. But if you can do it well, there's only an upside to being on every platform. Only an upside. Okay, because here's the thing. We all have friends who are only on YouTube, only on Instagram, only on Facebook or whatever. And you could be like, well, like, you know, why aren't you on TikTok? That's like, that. that's the thing. No, okay, this is not how it works. We, ha we have to go where the consumer is. Some people are only on this meme app, nowhere else on social media. And if you're not there, you don't exist to them. Okay, which is okay if you want to focus on one thing. If you want to take some time to master this one craft. And I do kind of focus on, you. like, I go through stages where I focus a little bit. I was like, oh, well, I want to like, dabble with Instagram. I want to dabble with Facebook. I want to dabble with YouTube. By the way, YouTube does have YouTube shorts right now. It's just as big as TikTok. Okay. In fact, it's going to, it might start to overtake TikTok. We'll see. I'm not, I'm not sure yet. And certainly there's a different culture for all of these platforms. Like, yeah, you can put the same video on there, but you're going to reach different people on TikTok, different people on Instagram, because people are there yeah. under different contexts. Now, slightly different topic about the cuts. Yes. Um, there is kind of a a trend right now where they think fast cuts um, will keep people's attention. That's part of the retention thing. It's like, oh, you know, like if if we only do the next 20 seconds of me talking, if it's just me talking, it's not going to be as interesting as me talking plus a different angle, me talking plus a stock video, me talking plus a little animation or, or whatever. It's just like it's inherently more interesting usually. However, 
while I do fast cuts, especially for shorts, because you want to get a lot of information out quickly, people use it as a crutch for lack of storytelling, if you a lack of branding. If you have a good story, which is easier to establish during a longer video, or like when people know you a little bit, when you have a good story and you have an intriguing concept, you don't have to do a cut every second. You can if it's that particular style, just like we have rock songs and we have pop songs and we have opera, right? Like, you know, like the people are gonna use different instruments. There's gonna be different, different composition in all of these things. So it's not just about the cuts because you should, some people can theoretically have like hundred cuts in a video and it won't do as well as someone just speaking to a camera if they have a very good concept. And like, I'm sure you know this, like, yes. When you, like, so like if, let's say it's a two minute video or three minute video, it's like, I'm going to talk about, um, pushups and it's like, oh, um, actually, and, and you put out a cup, this is not a great example for storytelling, but it's like, yeah, um, there's actually a reason this has a pink lid. Uh, and I'll tell you, but that's related to pushups and I'll, I'll get to that in a second. That's not a great example, but just that will add just as much as a cut will, will add an extra hundred people, actually 5% who stick around to find out why you have this cut. You know, but that's kind of it's it's kind of random though. Like that's not a right. great example, but it's one example where people can clearly see, oh, that's interesting. And also just the idea that's kind of like that's kind of like that's kind of like forcing it in. It's like, oh, find out at the end of this video. Like, well, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> right. gonna skip to the end of the video and do that. Okay, it has to be interesting. At at the same time, I think it was the director of Fighting Nemo or someone like that who said people say they want you to give them the answers right away. But they actually want to be led there. They don't, they don't only want to hear four. They want to hear two plus two. If the two plus two was interesting. That's the thing I, right. I, I had to learn over the past couple of couple of years. It was like, oh, I'll just give everyone the answer right away. That's cool. But if you, if you make the story leading up to that interesting, people will stick around. Yeah. Um, and then what do you edit on? Do you edit on your phone or do you take it onto your computer and edit your film? Premiere Pro. Um, I think there is... So it depends on how you want to do it. Some people, if they just want to dance, if they want to, if it's like quick influencer culture, I, I guess would, would be a way of saying it, then yeah, you can edit on your phone potentially forever. If you want to get into media, if you want to do, if you want to, if you, especially if you have a message to spread, you start off on your phone, you, you can edit on your phone. P very powerful tools nowadays. Um, yeah. But ultimately, you do, if you want to take it seriously um, and you have the time for it, you definitely learn to edit on your computer. Yeah, and then do you use uh, do you put in the closed captions in Premiere or do you put them in when you put them to uh, TikTok? I think TikTok does that. Uh, Premiere, Premiere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's like because I've been... captioning is not where I, I wanted to be right now on any right. platform. It, it really isn't um, because the idea of like oh well you know people can turn it on and turn it off you know some people are like I i'm so annoyed by your captions you know what i found it's one of those things where people say people will tell you what they think they want but it's almost always better to actually burn in the captions right now it might be different at some point in the future right now i burn in all my captions just because i can adjust the font people won't accidentally turn it off and be like well what are their captions like well you can turn it on and they're like well i is this too this it's too late they, they already scroll past it they don't care because because they were in a rowdy bar when your when your video video first came up and they strolled past it because they couldn't hear you and they didn't realize you could turn on captions. No, it's in my opinion, it's better to burden it. Well, yeah, and um, I well, what I was told is is that um, you should have captions because sometimes people are watching them at work and they're turning the volume down so that they can read it. So right, yeah. Um, so 
Okay, let me ask you this about, um, you know, this is a marketing strategy to be on social media. Mm -hmm. Um, What has your marketing strategy changed over time? Like, did you start with just, I want to educate people or was it to sell a product? What is your strategy then to now? Or connection? (laughs) Okay, so this is interesting because I feel like, so I I went to school and I, I got a degree in international business. But and to be honest, I've learned like I've learned more on YouTube than I have in like the years of college, and, and that, that's really the truth. And, and, and if someone want, like I, I could I could have a serious discussion over why that is. But I feel like a lot of people fundamentally misunderstand marketing because they think it's either just sales or many other things. Not that I have some kind of ethereal knowledge of what it is, but let's talk about branding. When that that's always been the beginning, and like thankfully I had like generally good guides on what to do and maybe just like what I want to do align with what I consider to be good branding. My original idea was yes, because I was drawn into it with some like YouTube videos about like, oh, you know, get an audience and then sell them a product. It's like, this is another reason why like social media algorithm change that won't work as well. Because like, if you make a video, if you like, oh, I'm going to uh, talk about, about business and I'm going to sell you a course on how to start a business, right? <laughs> if that video or announcement where you talk about the, your course isn't interesting in itself, it won't reach that many people. It won't reach your entire audience. It has to be interesting. So how it's changed is early on, yes, I was like, oh, so I, I'm going to start and I'm going to sell a product. As soon as someone left a comment and was like, hey, Hampton, this video actually really helped me. And I know you talked about your mom. I'm also taking care of my mother. I remember this first comment. His name was Kenneth. Um, I still talk with him every once in a while. And that really shifted it. That really became where it's about a community. And I talked about it for a while. Community and building a community has become a buzzword and a buzz phrase across so many social media platforms that I stopped using it because it's become a, it's become cliche. And a lot of people say they want a community, but they actually want a cult. They, they say, oh, we're building a community here. We're, we're not, it's not just about, we're building a community. But they actually want a cult that worships them in everything they do. And how dare you say anything bad against me, your cult leader? No. I, and, and I mean, and we can differentiate cult and community a, a little bit extra, but I think, so like a, a group of people, so like, here's my marketing strategy. It's like a group of people who tend to watch the hybrid calisthenics videos working towards a general goal. What do these people want? What, what do they want? It has to start with like what they are working towards. So, well, they want to be a little healthier, but maybe they don't have access to the fitness knowledge that's out there. And that can surprise some people in the fitness industry. It was like, well, there's already so much so much information from people who are extremely well-licensed and certified and educated. And I'm not disagreeing with that, but it's also not interesting to them. You know, not everyone wants to, wants to read like the 300-page textbook on resistance training, right? So we have to right. break it down into the ways people want. That is a product we're giving. It's not cons- a, like something where you have to buy, add a card and stuff. But this product that we're creating, people are watching, is information. Beyond that, what else do they need? It's like, well, they might need fitness equipment. It's like, okay, what are some issues with fitness equipment? It's like, well, they don't know what's good. I'm like, okay, well, if I can just source what's good, okay, maybe change it a little bit, uh, then we can offer it at a reasonable price. People are like, okay, that's cool. A reasonable price, by the way, isn't always the cheapest price. That's that, 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 that's people who are used to Amazon are like, well, this thing is like a cent cheaper and looks very similar. Go ahead and get that. Go ahead and get that. <laughs> right. So that, that that's more like a business discussion, discussion we can get into. But um, there's more to it than the price. And then so what else would they need? It's like, well, some people don't watch social media, but they want oh, their parents don't, but they want them to be healthy. 
and but you only do social media information. What else? Okay, so well, that's why we made a book, for example. It's like, well, this is the same information, very similar information to what's on the website that's for free. But if you want a book, we give you a book. So, and some people are like, well, I had this. I, I always remember because I use this example all the time. We had a Gen Z member in our Discord who's like, Hampton, why are you writing a book? Nobody reads books. I'm like, oh, really? It's like, no, it's like, yeah, nobody reads books, Hampton. And it's like, so it's like, you can see like the, the world he lives in, which is, I, I, I understand. It's like, I'd rather have a, a app than, than a book. I'm like, so this is interesting. I was like, so you have the website, which is mobile optimized, by the way, mobile optimized and fairly fast that yeah, you have, but you'd rather have an app. He's like, this is different. And it makes sense, right? It sounds crazy, but it's not. How many people use the Facebook browser version? Relatively few compared to the app. The app is just slightly more convenient. Yep. Right. So, okay, you know, it's going to cost us like $100,000, $200,000, but we'll, we'll make, no, really. They, they, or someone's going to make an app just so you like it, right? So, like, this is, what, this is my marketing is um, we have a community. You can either cultivate one on purpose or just build one building by talking about things that you like and notice what they want. Or you can, like, kind of cultivate the exact thing you want. And then you ask yourself, what can we do to help them towards this goal? And then you offer these as options. That's the thing that I think people misunderstand is like, well, you have to buy this. And people get angry. Like, well, I'm not going to buy this. Okay. If you don't want it, don't get it. No, and I, I mean that in the most polite way. Because I, I, it's like, if we have a book, like, well, so I don't, that guy that was talking about no one reads books, I don't want to sell him a book. I really don't. Okay. I would give him a book maybe, but I don't want him to spend his money on something he's not going to use. Right. So we make options. That's my marketing. Yeah, I like that. I like uh, giving people options to and educating them on on what they could do. Like um, I see that you have that pull up bar, and then you have the rings. Mm -hmm. Those are really cool. And then and then you also give examples through your videos on right. how to use it. Right. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a, a big part of my marketing, um, this is a little bit more tactic based, but I stand by this. Is once again the options. People are like, well, this is a little bit too expensive. I'm like, okay, well. Um, that's fine because I, I, here's a way you can make it for free. That, that's the thing that a lot of people, uh, it explodes their minds up traditional marketing. They're like, why would you do this? I'm like, no, I'm going to show you. I made a video. It's like, here's how you make this stuff for free at home if you want to do it. And some people have. But a lot of people look yeah. at it and they're like, well, this seems complicated. I'd rather spend this money. It's like, that's good. That's fine too. Once again, I don't want to, I like, I don't want to posture. I don't want to hide. I don't want to fake anything that, it, you know, this is a process. You know, we're like, we could make an argument. We all hide behind a slight mask. Slight mask, but um, in this case, I want to minimize the amount that we hide or any kind of misunderstanding. And so, yes, you can do this for free because it's true. You can. You can use a tree branch instead of the gym rings. You, you can use PVC pipe. So, yeah, I give people options. Part of my marketing is like anything that we have, I try to offer a cheap alternative or a way they can make it for, for free at home. Now, do you have anything on your website for subscribers like um, what are your offerings? Uh, do you, do you actually coach people? I don't personally coach people right now. I wish I could, but it is something that takes a significant amount of time and it's not something I can personally do right now. Cause it just, if I want to continue, I, I can, but it would slow down everything else I'm doing. Um, there is nothing on the website that's paid. Well, I mean like I link to some of our products, but it's not paid right now. Um, I am working on something that, uh, might start to manifest later this year um, or maybe next year. And like, I can do, this is something we can do very quickly, but I want to do it really well. Um, and that would be hybrid coaching or hybrid training where we, I, we have some trainers 
um, who are very experienced and very friendly and are great people who work with us. And they know the hybrid routine because they regularly answer people's questions. I was like, well, why don't we just offer coaching through them? And that's one of the ways that we've started to change to um, online training where you don't have to go to a gym. Not, not, some people want that. And that's great. Yeah. I, I completely understand. But some people, they want to exercise at home or by themselves. And they don't need a trainer watching them, counting their reps. They want to do it themselves. And it's like, hey, here's my form. I'll send it to you. And they're like, yeah, you know, straighten out your back a little bit. It's like, oh, pull your shoulders back. It's like, oh, okay, cool. It's like, what about this? You know, should I eat this? It's like, oh, yeah, um, do this instead. All it takes is emails and like maybe an app. So and that's one of the things I want to start to offer is a good coaching program. Once again, for people who want it, and we're going to talk about pricing. And you know, I, this is one of those things to where we have the people now where we can do it now. But if I want to do it well, and I want to do it at scale for maybe a couple thousand people, I don't know how many people would sign up for it if we did a, a monthly subscription to that. But it wouldn't be a subscription to an app or something. It'd be to a service because I think people are happier with that. Because if I, if I spent a million, literally a million dollars on an app, okay, building the best app in the world, like, I don't know what it... I don't know what we would spend a million dollars on, but you know, like an app that's really, really good. People will still gripe about paying a dollar a month for it. You know, and, and like, I understand you can, you can, I can ignore them, but I also empathize. I'm like, yes, it's, we're used to software being free. However, if it's a service, then we could offer it and people will understand and they'll be happier with it, I think. So that's, yes. that's something I'm looking into. But right now, no subscription, but something we're seriously looking at implementing. And maybe like an ad-free ad version, you know, like if they want to spend like, a dollar a month to get no ads. And if you don't want to spend it, just get an ad blocker. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> so do you want to share about what you're doing now, any new projects and anything that you'd like to share? Um, we are currently working on uh, getting the book out right now. That's um, that, that was my major project for towards the end of last year and early this year. Um, it, once again, it's one of those things to where I, I, I could have just done it I could just pay someone to do it um, and get it out, but I wanted to spend extra time making it good, uh, good by my own metric. Um, and it's really spending some extra time thinking about it. And that's something we are, we have pre-launched and it should be in stock and start shipping out our very first batch either today or later this week. Um, and that's something I'm excited about because it's something that can reach a lot of people who don't, who aren't on the internet as much, not on social media as much. And then after that, we'll start to turn that into an app um, and then maybe a coaching service, and different things. So there's the different projects that I have going in tandem. Um, can you tell us a little about what's in the book, what they'll get yeah, if they so, buy it? Well, so, so I, I definitely don't want to try to sell someone something they don't want. So here's exactly what's in there. So I have a fitness routine called the Hybrid Fitness Routine, and it's available on hybridcalisthenics.com for free. And that's one of the things that I want to keep for free. Um, but when we did that and we have a thriving community regularly doing it, uh, every day. Some people ask, well, can I have this in a book? And that's why I first started thinking, yes, we can. And originally it was just kind of like charts and pictures and stuff. But you know, for people who are watching this on video, huh. it's basically all the exercises um, that that we have. And I was like, well, we could do that. But what if someone wants to give it to their family or friends? Like, well, we better hire some trainers who work with me because I think differently and they think differently. And if we have a bunch of people working together, maybe we can get something that's a lot more understandable. So, okay, so we have an like an, an introduction method um, and we have, oh, like, well, troubleshooting, things like that, and the routine. So the idea is that you can hand it to someone and it's a way they can get healthy, fit, and strong with just their body and gravity. 
it's in a way it is a new thing, but it's also an old thing because it is the routine optimize a little bit because we spent so long on it. Now, now it's actually more up to date than the routine on our website. So we need to start updating that too. Um, and then we're, we're going to put this in different forms. You know, some people will only want to read it as a book. Some people will only use it as an app. What else? I mean, well, like, well, like maybe we can make it into an AI trainer or something one day, which is, which might be a thing. That'd be neat. So th that's something that I'm working on right now, right now. And I'm excited about it. It's, it's actually going to take some time to get it into full stock because we had to order a batch. People pre-ordered it and now it's almost sold out. And we're like, well, hmm, you know, I have to get more. And I, this is not, I want to update this. So it's something I want to start rolling out available on our website if anyone wants to check it out. So then you have to uh, send them out, right? Or are you going through a company that when they order, then it gets shipped out somewhere else? Okay. No, so it, it is not, it's not print on demand. Uh, I, I self-published, self-printed uh, all of this. However, we have two-day shipping within the U.S. So it is fulfilled with Shopify fulfillment. So they okay. ship it out the same day and there's two day delivery for many places in the U.S. Now, I should add this internationally. And I'm trying to add value to people who just want to do a book at some point. So it's not just about my thing. I don't I don't really go on podcasts to sell things. One of the way one of the things I run into is international shipping. People in Australia are like, man, it costs like $50 to ship to me. I'm like, yeah, because it costs me $50 to ship to you. <laughs> right. Like That's one of the things that people don't completely understand to where. They're like, they think the money, they just know they're paying the money, which I, I completely understand. But they don't think that the money isn't going to the company, it's going to the shipping company. I'm like, oh, okay. So one of the ways we're trying to work around that is I'm also putting this on Amazon. It won't be spiral bound, but Amazon can print it in, in Australia and ship it to you in Australia. So that's one of the things that we're working on. Oh, that's great. And then um, your company, do you have, you were talking about other trainers. How many people are a part of your team? So our full team has around like seven people right now, which seems small and we can certainly hire out. But I found that for what we're doing, a lot of these things can be outsourced. Like for example, who knows the Shopify warehouse, there's a lot of, like they're gonna ship out several hundred orders tomorrow. And then eventually it's gonna be several thousand orders. Um, I found we can outsource that, but our core team, just about seven people and our trainers, we have um, Q right now, um, probably bringing on a third later on this year. And if we do the coaching thing, it's going to have to be 10, 20. And I kind of sigh, not because I'm, uh, because that bothers me, but because it's more people to manage and more people that I want to care for, more people I want to make sure they're happy. And that's a whole infrastructure. Then we need a, then we need a head trainer. Um, and so that's a major project. And that's one of the reasons why it will take some extra time if we want to do it well. Right. And are these people all locally or they can be anywhere in the United States? Anywhere in the world. Wow anywhere in the world because once again it's it's online trading right so you can do yeah well i mean with what we're doing like my assistant lives in kentucky okay i live in arkansas so I would, we can work around the world there's not that many things i would need someone in person for um every once in a while i need someone to hold a sign or hold an object and i'll just get a friend to do it in person now um all your social media do you do yourself or do you did you hire out to edit your videos and do other things uh, I, at this point? Well, I, I like doing things myself. And I think it's important. So in college, it's, it's interesting. They they said people don't hire um, uh, generalists. They want to hire specialists, which I completely understand. But I always wanted to be a generalist. And the, the context they left out was that generalists hire specialists really well. Because if you can do a lot of things somewhat okay, then you know who to hire. Right. So... Yeah. I edited all my videos for the first few years 
last year around May, I had someone email me and I really liked how they worked and we started doing videos together. So now I hire someone to do the editing. However, I am the person who does the final edit. So I, I have him um, make all the changes and I'm like trying to make it this thing, but we're still working on carrying the, the final five or 10% where I still, I, he'll, he'll spend 10 hours on an edit and then I'll still sit down and like it's done in quotes. And then I'll still spend two hours making, mm, I want this tweak because some things I can't quite feel yet, but I know makes it better. Like an extra zoom in, extra this, extra this it just changes the story. And I'm like, oh, it changes the vibe of it. I'm like, so I still do that. I would like to get to the point where he or someone else can do the whole process. Yeah. It is kind of hard to let go of something that you do. I mean, even though it's a lot more work and you only have so much time in the day and you have to, but it, there's something to um, the personal, well, especially the personal connection to your videos. But I guess if you're having somebody else edit it, that's, you know, something different. But you still got, got to look at it. Right. Well, no, that's one of those things, and I can say this pretty confidently for some creators, um, for almost every creator, um, it seems like no one else can edit you. It seems like nobody else can, can do that, that job, and I completely understand. But it's one of those things that takes time. It is not some, the reason why it seems so hard is because you hire one person and they, they don't know your style within the first video. And you're like, well, right. of, of course, you know, they did, I never, I thought it, it wasn't going to work. It's not going to work. No. If you want to really scale, you don't have to. Some people love to edit their own stuff, which is great. But if you really want to scale, it is worth it to find an editor. Because when you can film and you want to make a lot of content and you're spending 20 hours on this, you can continue filming, continue doing other things while your editor edits. And then you can still make the final adjustment. A lot of it is coaching and adapting. You're like, here's what I like. And then you learn to work together. So it's important to find someone that you like working with. Now, um, do, how do you share your files? I mean, do you have like Google Drive? Mm -hmm. What What do you do? Yeah, oh, the first okay. the first few times it was like WeTransfer or something. But right. if you're doing it all the time, which we are now, uh, Google Drive tends to work really well. Um, okay. There's one Google account where I, I paid, it's like an extra $5 a month or something for 100 gigabytes. And I, I just put it on there. And then after he downloads it, I delete it and repeat. It worked, it's worked really well. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, well, cool. Is there any uh, words of wisdom that you'd like to leave our listeners with on content creation? Well, um, where are most of your listeners at in their journey? Are they getting started? Are they halfway? Are they interested in just filmmaking, period? Or are they just um, social media content creators? Give me some context. Yeah. Um, these are th My podcast is really for the person that wants to learn about positions and may not have any knowledge of it. So um, for a content creator, it might be somebody who's saying, hey, I'd like to get some uh, content out there, but I don't really know the first thing about what I should should do or how I should be. Like you were talking about branding, which I think is really excellent. Maybe we talk about just a tip on branding. How does one brand themselves when they don't may not know what their brand is yet? How do they figure that out? So a few different things. So that's two slightly different questions, I think, but I'll, I'll, um, I'll give context on both of them. First of all, how to start is you don't want to be the person um, coming in and you're the singer. Think about it. You're, you're the singer for a full orchestra. You don't want to come in, you know, and just start singing. You want to listen for a little while, okay? Understand the pitch, understand the tempo, and then you start singing. Assuming you can sing. Uh, the metaphor doesn't completely work, but... Actually, it does. It does. So if you really, really want to break it down. Yes. 
So go on these social media platforms, just start scrolling. And like, I'm not, I'm not kidding, like 50 hours, like 30 hours, or, or like just like, spend, it doesn't have to be a day, okay? Like do like 30 minutes a day, your job, you know, if you're serious about branding, if your job is just to scroll through TikTok and YouTube <laughs> and Instagram, 30 minutes, set a timer, okay, and be like, okay, cool. And then do that for a few months and you'll be like, okay, and then you'll learn. It's like write down your thoughts beforehand and write down your thoughts after two months. You'll be like, okay, this is interesting. I understand the culture of what's working there now. This is subconscious. It's kind of just like how kids watch how grown-ups talk and how they act and how they move. We have to really absorb that. It's like, okay, this cut is slightly too long here. We want a little faster here. We want this. And you'll naturally have your own style that you can represent to others. So first you just do that. First you get context before you move. And what's your brand? You can just start, I think. I think a lot of people, for especially in the context of social media, if you're not sure what your brand is, your brand is you. Everything you believe in. It, it, you, like, you listen to people on YouTube like, ah, oh, it's off-brand for me to talk about football when, when my, my channel is really about music. No. You know, once again, algorithm-based. Keep it, you know, keep it interesting. But if people know all different things about you, that is your brand. That is your brand. And then you can kind of hone a little bit. You can be like, okay... So I have a personal brand, but I also have a fitness brand. I also have this. There's different ways you can split it. But first get context and then just start and then hold it over time. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This was great. Oh, thank you. I hope everyone got value out of it. I hope they liked it. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to get out there and make a film. Reach out to your local filmmakers group to get involved and connect. Please subscribe to the show if you like it and follow me on Instagram at Tammy Madero. Until we meet again, what's your story?